0: Welcome to Automatic Merchandiser's Vending and OCS Nation podcast. This podcast is about people, trends, issues, and products pertaining to vending, coffee service, micromarkets, and pantry service. Content that is designed to make your business more profitable. Greetings, I'm your host Bob Tulio. Today's topic on Vending and OCS Nation it's a somewhat cerebral topic. Are you making equitable deals that are good for you and good for the client? Is it even possible to do equitable deals today? Two months ago, I touched on this in my Best of OCS column, which appears every month in the OCS newsletter from Vending Market Watch. On a recent trip to Southeast Asia, Cambodia specifically, I was reminded of a business concept that has jumped to the forefront in this world of hybrid workplaces, cooperation. Walking through an outdoor market in Siem Reap, Cambodia, a stone's throw from the historic Anger Wat temple site, I spotted a treasure hanging on a clothing rack, 100% cotton, white, short sleeve, and perfect for the 100% humidity days, and that's most days, I was experiencing. I'm a medium in the US and an XL in Asia, and they had one in stock. My wife Peg wanted one too, and the negotiations began because it's part of the culture. $30 for two, said the merchant, as her family looked on. I'll give you 20, I said. 25, she said. This deal is good for you, good for me, as she put the items in a bag. I agreed, mindful of how important the sale was to her in a country where $25, American, means a lot. Done deal great closing technique, and a concept to live by in business. Good for you, good for me. I decided that equitable deals might be a great topic for some industry leaders. The first person I talked to was Matthew Marsh a First Class Vending & Coffee in Las Vegas. I asked Matthew, what do you tell your salespeople
1: about making equitable deals? Don't be afraid to walk away from bad business. Now, any vendor that's out there just undercutting pricing these days to get the business, have we done it? Everybody's done it. Sure. Is it a good business practice? No. We try not to do that anymore. Look, we can all, for the most part, get the same product. We can all get the same equipment. What makes us different?
0: Service. Well, service component, of course. Service component.
1: Right. So... Do you pay for good service or you pay for bad service? And this is something you need to explain to the clients. Look, you want service. When your machine breaks down, you want someone to come out in three days or you want someone to come out in three hours? Sure. That, you know, so all we're trying to do is be profitable enough to make a little bit of money and take care of you. So if it's not equitable, I say, don't take it. And I am, and the clients are getting smarter. They like to play us all off of each other and they're all trying to squeeze that dime, and they're all trying to get us cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. If our industry would go out there and say no, guess what? They wouldn't have a choice.
0: With equitable deal-making, the bottom line is there has to be communication.
1: Has to be a win-win. Has to be a win-win. Absolutely. Or let's look at it another way. It has to be a lose-lose. Yeah. So the, the customer's unhappy and you're unhappy, right? Yeah. The vendor's unhappy right. or, or you're both happy. It's the same thing. Yeah. Two negatives equal a positive, right? right. I, think I, t- I think I learned that in math the third time I took it.
0: Thanks, Matthew. Always an interesting interview. I also talked to Arthur Siller, Senior VP at Evergreen Refreshments. Arthur, with a backdrop of making equitable deals, what should you or your team members be thinking about when they head into a sales appointment?
2: Certainly when I was selling, and, and to this day when I, when I meet with a client, I always have this mindset. By the end of the meeting, I want them to feel like I'm sitting on their side of the table, not the other side. I want them to feel as though I work with them at their company, coming up with these solutions and these programs. Um, once you build that trust and, and they're willing to listen to you, now you can truly shape a program that's successful for everybody. And what I mean by that is because, as you said, you want to make sure these programs are successful for the company, our company. Right. And and for, for them as an amenity, it's a lot easier to get them on board with certain parts of the program um, where you know, we may want subsidies to be involved or minimums to be involved or rentals on equipment and coffee service. That buy ins a lot easier to gain if you've already established a bit of that trust, right? And doing a good job, right. being a good consultant and listening to them. So we put a strong focus to that on the outset because once you've done that, and if you have to make concessions or talk along the way of ways to make the program work in the long term, they're just more willing to engage on it. If they want, you know, a heavy investment in equipment and from where I sit, I'm thinking that I'd like a longer agreement. That's a lot easier to do if they feel they trust me. And, you know, I've been very transparent with them
0: from the gate. That's great. Well, it's all about solutions, isn't it? That's right. Dan Welsh is the owner of World Cup Coffee in Portland. He says in order for deals to be equitable, everyone needs to understand, including employees and clients,
3: What it takes to successfully run a business today. At the end of the day, if you're bidding an account and you're wondering whether you're going to make a profit, likely you're not going to. Because the increased cost of labor and the increased cost of delivery, and and not just your own company's delivery, the the cost of goods coming into your service are somewhat out of your control. And you have to anticipate that. A year from now, that cost of uh, Bigelow T is not going to be the same price. Mm -hmm. And so if you're bidding that three-year contract based on current prices, you're going to challenge yourself. Sure,
0: sure. So you've got to be looking ahead in terms of what costs are going to look like down the line, obviously. That's important.
3: Uh, Very much so. And we're bidding accounts with uh, 300, 500 people, a hospital recently at prices that I didn't anticipate we would a couple of years ago. and uh, Lower or higher? Much higher, much higher than I thought we would. Even some of the prices, and, and we have the luxury of being a roaster. So we roast our own coffee. So that uh, gives us an ability to cut out a middleman and give a quality level of product that is beyond anticipation. But we also know that there's brand loyalties in national brands and other local roasters. So the cost of what we're having to sell sometimes in the 20 $23 per pound Uh, rate is shocking to me so would you say more than ever before
0: it's critically important to communicate with your clients about the facts of what it takes to operate a business today
3: yeah yeah very much so and and, and we are are very transparent with our staff as well too Uh, because i think we all know that the the people that are going to get the most heat are the drivers that are out there working day-to-day with those customers and face-to-face. John Holden is Vice President of Sales and Marketing for
0: Michigan-based All-Star Services. He believes that equitable deals occur when his company and his clients have visions that align with one another. Talk to me about, and you're out in sales, you, you see all sorts of deals being made, You walk into situations where people are grossly overpriced or are facing egregious delivery charges or a lot of hidden charges. That's one side of equitable deals. How do you deal with that? Do you come in and simply give them a status quo deal with better service and not take them off of this egregious pricing structure? Or do you look to make a deal that's more equitable, that can live for the long haul?
4: Well, Bob, what you're kind of explaining is the way that we view things as a company and and certainly the way that I approach sales within this industry. And that's, I'm not looking for any deals. I'm looking for long-term partnerships. And, you know, in the sense where there are these egregious fees, there's, you know, stocking fees, delivery fees, you know, every fee, 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 fee. And then the pricing is high to begin with. I don't see that as a sustainable partnership for our company and the client. So what we look to do is make sure that we have a fair and equitable deal. We make sure that our margins are where they need to be as an operator, as I believe I got this quote from you. Healthy margins make healthy companies, right?
3: There
0: you
4: go. Um, And we can't be afraid to do that within our industry. So we need to make sure that we are uh, selling our product for a margin that will allow us to operate at a high level and pay our employees a great wage. Um, and then on the client side of things, we wanna make sure that our visions are in line. So if this is a site that is you know well populated and they're going to be going through a lot of product and they're going to take care of the equipment that's on site, that's great. We have a solid partnership moving forward you know, status quo sort of scenario, right? However, in today's climate, we're seeing a lot of, there's 15 people on site. We want five different coffee stations. We want everything fully stocked. We've got two pantry locations. We want everything fully stocked daily. Um, And we want to make sure that we have everything under the sun for whomever might want to show up for work that day, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the situations where we make sure that, our standards are set so that the client understands that the level of service that we are providing does come with a cost. So looking at a restocking fee on a daily basis, if they're they're requiring us to be on site daily, looking for additional service fees based upon the equipment they have on site or, or additional leasing options on equipment that is, to be quite frank with you, more equipment than they need. But some customers are and clients are completely okay with saying, okay, you know what, I don't care if no one's ever going to use that piece of equipment in that break room. I want a piece of equipment in that break room in case somebody's there. And in that case, it's fine. We're transparent. And we say, sounds great. We're going to lease that piece of equipment to you for X dollars a month. And if there are any issues that arise with it because of lack of use, we're going to you know, be billing you uh, accordingly. So it's all about just creating that partnership, level setting with the client, because as i'm sure other operators are seeing throughout the country with the increased pressure on businesses to get people to return to work it's putting increased pressures on us as operators to up our level of service which is great we are a perk we are a benefit but we are also a valuable partner in this not somebody just be pushed around and you know dropping off product and adding equipment and just losing money left and right uh to try to meet some of these very, very high standards and high expectations with low payoff when it comes to uh, throughput. So
0: direct, honest communication with the client, that's the yeah. key.
4: 100%, 100%. You know, I, we're a family owned and operated company. I'm very proud of that. We are an independent. I'm very proud of that. And we know that every partnership is not the right partnership. So we make sure we align with clients who understand the value that we bring to the table as a focused operator in our territory. And you know, if we're not the right partner for them, I think I save my whole team a lot of work by walking out the door during that sales meeting sometimes.
0: Excellent, excellent. All right, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. That's it for now. On the next Vending in OCS Nation, I'll be recording from the NAMA convention floor in Atlanta, where I will ask operators two important questions. What exhibit at the NAMA show offered something that will truly have an impact on your business? What blew you away at NAMA? I'll give my own take on those questions as well. Automatic Merchandiser's Vending and OCS Nation podcast. Subscribe, download, listen, and make your business more profitable. Thanks for your support. I'm Bob Tulio.